Lord's Day. Thankful for your fellowship in the ministry of preaching Christ to our nation and to the world. Uh, Thank you to the session for the opportunity to preach to you all today. And I trust the Lord will have a word for us and pray that he'll bless it to each of our souls as the need may be. Would you turn with me then to John's Gospel, John's Gospel chapter 10. And as you're turning there, I do bring you greetings from the Orlando congregation. Uh, We're thankful. We know that you remember us in prayer and we remember you as well. And trust the Lord to bless you in these days as you seek to serve him. John's Gospel in chapter 10. We'll begin reading in verse 22 of John chapter 10. Let us hear the word of God. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him, And said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. We'll end our reading there. Trust the Lord to bless this word to our hearts. Would you bow with me in prayer? as we seek for His help. Our eternal and most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before Thy throne of grace this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are thankful for the words that we have read. O Lord, how they are, as it were, a refuge for our souls this morning, and we pray that You will cause them to come home to each of our hearts O Lord, we all have come here with a various need that needs to be met by Thee and Thy truth. And we pray then that You would bless the preaching of the Word of God at this time that You will undertake for me, that You will fill me with the Spirit of God and enable me to rightly preach the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would all be given help from the Spirit to rightly hear the Word of God, to rightly take it with us. And Lord, that You would make it our portion for the remainder of the day until we return to Thy house this evening. We pray, Lord, that You will cause this Word to take up residence in our hearts today and that You will indeed set a watch before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Lord, that You'd help me to preach in the power of the Spirit and not in the arm of the flesh. Enable us, Lord, to hear from Thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the text I want to draw your attention to really is found in verse 28 and 29. That will be the bulk of what we consider. Read those verses again. Our Lord Jesus speaking these words that are very familiar to most of God's people. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And it really is that subject of the hands of Christ, the hands of the Father that we want to think about primarily this morning. We'll touch on other things that occur in this text, but it is really that topic of the Lord's hands I want us to think about as we come to a text like this, uh, as it is most likely familiar to most of you, I would just simply ask a question as we come to it. What does it mean to be in God's hand? What does that ultimately mean for us? What are the ramifications and all the different things we can think about when it comes to being in God's hand? We know it deals with eternal life. We know it deals with the security of the believer's soul. But the Bible has a lot to say about God's hand. It has a lot to say in the Old Testament, a lot to say in the New Testament. We know that even as it was said this morning, God is a spirit. He does not have a physical body in the sense of God the Father and God the Spirit and God the Son. They do not have a body together. Our Lord Jesus Christ took on flesh to redeem our souls. But when we're referred to here to the hands of God, it really has to do with His protection. It has to do with His securing of us. And I want us to consider that today. I don't know what the need of your heart may be. I believe the Lord has led me to this text because either you're here today and you need to understand the reality of this text or perhaps in coming days you will need it as an anchor for your soul. But as we come here, I want us to consider it under the title of always being in God's hand. Always being in God's hand. We often will say regarding hands when we are seeking to comfort someone, uh, we will tell them, well, that person that's taking care of you, uh, you're in good hands. You're in the hands of one who is going to take proper care of you. And that has its ultimate reality when we consider God's hands. When we consider the reality of an almighty God taking care of His people at all times and all places because of the finished work of Christ. And as we come here and we consider always being in God's hands, we have to consider what our Lord Jesus says in verse 28 before we come to consider all the different details of the hands of God. And so the first thing I want us to consider as we go through this text this morning is that Christians are in God's hand. That's the first simple truth that we see in verse 28. Christians are in God's hand. Our Lord says that He gives unto them, that is His sheep that hear His voice and follow Him, I give unto them eternal life. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We're met with this reality here in these texts that the Christian is in God's hands. Those who have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ by faith in His finished work upon the cross have the assurance that they are in God's hand. But we ought to ask the question in light of such a statement, how did we get into the hands of Christ, into the hands of the Father? How did we get there? It's simple to say that Christians are in God's hands, but we always need to remember how we got there. And we need to remember that the Father 
put us in Christ's hand. That's how we came to be given eternal life. That's how we came to be in Christ's hands. He says that in verse 29, My Father which gave them Me. And that is referring us to the fact of God's choosing of His people before the foundation of the world and putting them in Christ's hand. Referring to the choice, the decision of God to bring us to Himself in the redemption that Christ has provided through His person and His work. You think of what Christ said in verse 27, My sheep hear My voice. No doubt you know the hymn, Why was I made to hear Thy voice and enter while there's room when thousands make a dreadful choice and rather starve than come? The Father put us in Christ's hand. And as you think upon that, it brings up all the subject of God's plan of redemption in that He chose a people to be redeemed by Christ that He chose us out of love, not any merit in you, not any merit in me before the foundation of the world, just someone who had broken His law and sinned against Almighty God. And yet the Lord, the Father, put us in Christ's hand. He committed us to Christ as sinners that He might hold us in His hand as children. Have you ever considered that? That as the Father committed you to Christ as a sinner in the covenant between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, you were chosen as a sinner in that, in order that you would then become a child. We read in Galatians chapter 4, For in the fullness of time God sent forth His Son, made of a woman made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. You were committed to Christ as a sinner that you might then be held in in the Father's hand as a child. That you might receive all the blessings of the Gospel in God's fathering you as the perfect Father, as the heavenly Father. And as you think upon that, His commitment to make us children was a commitment to make Christ a curse when the Father and the Son covenanted to redeem a people, it was with the decision that not only would they bring all the blessings of heaven to ungodly and undeserving sinners, but it was also a decision that all the wrath of Almighty God would be poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that He would be made a curse. That's what Galatians 3.13 tells us, that Christ was made a curse for us, that He was put upon the cross for us. The Father put us in Christ's hand. That's how this has come to pass, that our Lord could say, speaking of His sheep, that they are in My hand, and they shall never be plucked out of My hand because we were committed to Christ by the Father and redeemed by Christ to the Father. Not only did the Father put us in Christ's hand, but Christ secured us 
with His hand. If you're here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have embraced Him as your Lord and your Savior, then you know or you can know with full assurance that Christ has secured you with His hand. That's what our Lord says, that He is the one who gives unto His people eternal life. We ask the question, what is eternal life? Well, we know it comprehends all of the Gospel. It comprehends the forgiveness of sins. It comprehends the righteousness of Christ being imputed to the believer by faith so that they stand in a perfect relationship with God, perfectly accepted through the merits of Christ for all of eternity. They are brought from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life. That is all contained when our Lord says He gives unto them eternal life so that they shall never perish. And as you think upon Christ securing you with His hand, you think upon the work that He took on in order to redeem your soul that He would leave His Father's throne above and come and become poor for our sakes. That He would take up the work of redemption in His hands in order to redeem our souls from the grave. And Christ, when He comes to give His people eternal life. He knows when He comes all that He's headed for in terms of the cross and all that He's going to suffer for His people in order that He would then be able to give unto them eternal life. And you think upon this in terms of what Christ had to do. And the comparison between your hands and Christ's hands. Your hands knew nothing but sin. And Christ's hands know nothing but righteousness. And your sins earned His scars. And His scars earned your salvation. It is of note that you think upon how Christ was raised from the dead and how He appears to his apostles in John chapter 20. And what is it said regarding Him? He comes the same day at evening in John chapter 20. And He appears unto His disciples when the doors are shut. And in verse 20, it says, And when He had so said, He showed unto them His hands and His side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Have you ever wondered why it says they were glad when they saw the Lord? Of course, they're gazing upon the risen Christ, and so there's gladness, but you think upon the connection between how they saw Him. They looked upon His hands and His side. They looked upon the scars that Christ still had, even though the Lord could have easily, completely healed those scars so that He did not have them the impressions of them in His body, and yet He keeps them so that His people know that the scars are there, showing that your sins have been born in His body on the tree for all of eternity. So that it is a constant place of refuge for the believer, that we would never forget that He 
has these scars permanently in His hands to show that I am permanently in His hands because He's borne me there. Taken all my sin upon Him. Oh, our hands, our hands knew nothing but sin before the Lord brought us to Christ. Do you remember the words of Isaiah 64.6? All our righteousness is as filthy rags. Not one spiritually good deed done, and yet Christ, Christ never committing anything contrary to the law of God fulfilling everything required by the law of God. Have you ever thought of just the degree of that in terms of a text in Psalm 44? In Psalm 44 and verse 20, a very striking statement is made. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For He knoweth the secrets of the heart. And you think upon that in terms of the handiwork of Christ and what He did in fulfilling the law of God. That as God says, if, if we've stretched out our hands here, if the people have stretched out their hands to a strange God, shall He not search it out? Shall He not know it? He knows the secrets of our heart. Obviously, that's pointing us to the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. And you ever thought about the first commandment? that it is really the seedbed of all righteousness, really the root of all righteousness. Because if you fail there, you break the entirety of the law of God. And so Christ, in His heart, never lifting up His hands to a strange God. Never, ever failing to have a perfect heart toward the Father. You and I cannot say that. You and I fail daily to have a perfect heart toward God in our own merit, in our own works. We do fail and stretch out our hands unto a strange God. Whether outwardly or inwardly, we fall into that sin. And yet, the hands of Christ that we are in as His people were never stretched out to a strange God never knew a transgression of the law of God. And you think, you think upon the security that we have in His hands. That's why our Lord says they shall never perish. As long as the scars are in the hands of Christ, you are in the hands of Christ as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Christians are in God's hand. That's, that's the foundation of what we're going to consider next. That is the cross work of Christ that has brought us into His hands in the sense of the reality of our redemption. Christians are in God's hand. But secondly, I want you to consider Christians are always in God's hand. Christians are always in God's hand. Why do I take the time to, to say, uh, make such a simple point in connection with the first? Well, because I, I know that 
Your heart is like my heart because the Word of God is clear regarding the weakness of our flesh and the weakness of our faith. And though we read such a clear text that tells us we're always in Christ's hands, we're always in the Father's hands, the temptation is to think somehow, some circumstance is going to harm me, going to somehow endanger my position in the Father's hands. I know that is the case, whether it is for you today, or whether it will be for you tomorrow, or has been in your past. That there are days that come where, where we fail to apprehend the full reality of the truth that is here, that we are in His hand and can never perish from His hand. That we are always in God's hand. And it is at this point that I want us to consider Something regarding what it means to be in that hand of the Father, in that hand of Christ, considering something of what we find in the Scriptures regarding God's hand that I trust will give you assurance as you consider it yourself. Christians are always in God's hand. Well, consider with me then that God's hand has made everything. God's hand has made everything. This, these verses occur in John's Gospel. You know the very beginning of John's Gospel begins with the very fact that God has created all things. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made, specifically referring to the Word that is Christ, but Him in connection with the Father and even the Spirit creating all things so that without them are not anything made that was made. Now that is a comforting thing to consider in regards to the hands of God. Because as God has made everything, that means He's in control of everything. In other words, you can think about this in several ways, but the hand that made the seas is in control of all the waves. And the hand that made the winds is in control of which way they blow. So that when you and I are facing the waves and facing the winds, they're God's winds and they're God's waves. And you and I, in very many ways, we need to remember what the disciples faced. When they're in the storms, you probably know the story very well, in several places, but in Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 6, they're, they're parallel two storms happening basically one after the other as Mark records it. And in the first one, what do the disciples say? What's their conclusion when Jesus speaks and the waves are still, the storm is brought to nothing and there is peace and stillness? What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey Him? Now the point there that we need to take is that there is no wave or no wind that can be contrary to me that God is not in control of. Even when we cannot see how that is the case. You remember what Job said? He went forward and he could not find God. He went backward. He is not there. But what else did he say? On the left hand, where I know He doth work. Even though Job could not see 
by faith or, or in His context where God was in the circumstances of His life, He could say on the left hand where, I, where He doth work. He knew that God was working even when He could not behold God working. And that's the same for you and for me. That even in the midst of the hardest of trials and the most difficult of days, we would remember the truth of this text that we are in His hands and God's hand has made everything. Even when we're toiling and rowing like they were in Mark 6. He sees them. He's on the land. They're on the sea. And our Lord Jesus looks upon them. Sees them toiling and rowing. At any moment, He's able to still the storm just like He did in Mark 4. But even as we sang earlier, our Father will not cause us to shed a vain tear. It's all for His purpose. God's hand has made everything. And next then, in connection with that, God's hand is greater than everything. He who has made everything is greater than everything. Our Lord Jesus makes that very point here in verse 29. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all. He is greater than everything. And you even note the italics in our text. If you have uh, your King James Version, you'll note the words man is in italics. And it's giving you uh, an, an interpretation, a sense of it, but really it's the idea of, and none is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. In other words, it includes not only man, it includes every demon, every devil, every danger that you or I would face in this world. Nothing of anything in creation is able to take us out of God's hand. His hand is greater than everything. And in regards to the hands of God, I almost know of no other comforting text than what you find in Daniel 4.34 or 4.35 And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? Now think upon that in regards to your soul being in God's hand. None can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? The hand that formed the lion's mouth is able to keep you from the lion's mouth. The devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And yet, the Lord will not allow the lion's mouth to devour any of His people. Because He's controlling the lion's mouth. He's greater than the lion's mouth. The hand that crafted fire is able to keep you from being burned if He so pleases. You remember that was the comfort of Daniel's companions, wasn't it? They stand before this mighty man, Nebuchadnezzar, and they defy him to his face, and they face the fires of the wrath of this man in full assurance that if the Lord will have us to be delivered, He is able. 
And if not, then so be it. They would face the fire of the world, knowing that God was able to deliver them if He so chose. And my, how that is a, play, is a matter of assurance if we are ever called to give our lives upon a stake where we'll be burned for our faith. Even the fire that the wicked can start, whatever they seek to do, will not take us out of His hand. God's hand is greater than everything. And God's hand extends everywhere. No man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. You think upon the thought of, of hands and just that imagery there. You, and, you think of our hands and we're limited by where our hands extend. We are limited by our reach. People can be out of our distance of reach and yet God's hands extend everywhere. There's no place where they cannot be. And you think of the words of the psalmist in this connection in Psalm 139. And what does he say in verse 7? Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. God's hand extends everywhere so that there's no place we can be physically or spiritually, where His hand is not holding us. God's reach, then, is greater than your ability to roam. There's no place in all the earth that you can go where God's hand will not be with you if you are in Christ. And the reason I take time to say that is because of the words of Psalm 94 in Psalm 94, we read of God's hand being upon the deep places. Psalm 95, 95, 4. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. Now you think upon that. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. That's obviously referring to these physically deep places in the sea in the context of that psalm. The places where nowhere else, no one else can go. The places where man is not able to get to with any machinery or any uh, endeavors that he can muster. He can't get to those places and yet in God's hand are the deep places. Now if we could take that for a moment and apply that to the spiritual realm. The places where you may find yourself and you feel like no one else can even touch you where you are because of the spiritual struggle you're facing or even the physical infirmity that you're facing. The Word of God says in His hand are the deep places. The Apostle Paul said in his, regarding his sufferings in the ministry of preaching the gospel, I have spent a night and a day in the deep. Now he's talking about a physical deep there. But again, the same truth applies because Paul, as we know, had many struggles, many burdens to bear, many deep places in his soul 
that no one else could reach. But in God's hand are the deep places. And if you're there today, if you're in the deep place of affliction or trial, do not think that God is not able to have His hand there. God's reach is greater than your ability to roam. And God's reach extends beyond eternity. They shall never perish. That points us to eternity. That means that our place, our position in God's hands is going to be throughout eternity. So that there's no time or point in any understanding of the term eternity, if you can even think of time in relation to eternity, there's no point in eternity where God's hand will cease to hold us. We're told in Deuteronomy 33 of the everlasting arms of God. Well, everlasting arms imply everlasting hands. And that's what we're upheld by. Up everlasting arms. And that's what we're held in. Everlasting hands. You think upon the imagery of Psalm 46 in this connection. Where it speaks at the beginning of that psalm of the mountains being carried into the midst of the sea. If you're familiar with that passage, you know it's a chaotic scene. And basically the psalmist is, is saying, I don't have anything to hang on to. The mountains are being carried into the midst of the sea. The waves are roaring all around me. And yet, he comes to the point where he says, Be still and know that I am God. And you think upon who carried those mountains into the midst of the sea. It was God Himself. And do we think that the God who carries the mountains into the midst of the sea with a word is not able to carry your soul to heaven in His hand? God's hand extends everywhere. And finally here, God's hand endures everything. His hand endures everything. Contained in our Lord's words, obviously it is a reference to the fact that we have those who are seeking to pluck us out of His hand. Obviously, there is an intense effort to seek to destroy the Christian soul, to ruin the Christian's walk with God, to come against us with all the power that they can muster, whether it be the devil or the wicked. And yet, God's hand endures everything. In other words, the greatest foe cannot loosen God's grip on His people. Now you and I can only hang on to something for so long before our hands get tired. You can only hang on to a weight for so long before you have to let it go. You can only hold something tightly and in a secure manner for so long and then your hand weakens. But God's grip never loosens upon the believer's soul and upon your body. The Lord holds us in His hand with the grip that cannot be fatigued. Our Lord is never weary, never weak. And the weakest faith cannot slip through God's fingers. Maybe you're here today and you think, well, that's all fine for those who have strong faith. This is a mighty text for those who have strong faith. 
But the weakest faith cannot slip through God's fingers. I'm reminded here, a pastor was speaking to one of his congregation members and he, <clears throat> they were talking about this subject and dealing with the matter of assurance. And he asked her, well, you know, sister, how do you know that you can't slip through God's hands? For she had said, I know I'm secure, I'm in God's hands. How do you know that you can't slip through His fingers? And she very aptly said, because I am His hands. Because we are Christ's body and members in particular. Christ has made us His spiritual body so that we are connected to the head that is Christ so that there can be no severing of any part of the body so that you cannot slip through His fingers. The weakest member of Christ's body is still a part of His body. So that God's hand endures every single thing that comes against the believer at all times and all places. And whatever the burden is of your heart today, whatever the struggle is that you may be facing or will face, it is my prayer that the Lord will make this text an anchor for your soul. And you will consider the greatness of God's hands. All that He does with His hand. All that He's able to do with His hand. And that no man is able to pluck you from the Father's hand. I've been speaking to those who know Christ here. I trust we're all aware of that. That's where this assurance comes from. It comes from knowing that you are in Christ. The way to know that you're in God's hand is to trust in the finished work of Christ. And our Lord makes that very point in verse 27, that His sheep hear His voice, and He knows them, and they follow Him. In other words, they walk after Him. They believe what He says. They trust in His person and in His work. They believe all the truth of the Gospel that is presented to us in the Scriptures. They believe in a perfect righteousness of Christ imputed by faith. They believe in a sufficient sacrifice that does away with all sin. But if you're here today and that's not the case with you, you don't believe the Gospel, you don't trust in the finished work of Christ, I would like to warn you here at this point because there's a very extremely comforting side of God's hands that we've been considering, but there's also the reality that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if you're here today and you don't know a true salvation in Christ, you need to come today and believe on Him to the saving of your soul. Because as that text I just referred to says, it is a fearful thing. That reality, when you are outside of Christ, and you fall into the hands of the living God, there will be no, no salvation in that. Only damnation and eternal suffering. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ, come today. Hear His voice. Follow Him. 
And then you can know the assurance of always being in God's hand. May the Lord write it upon our hearts. Let's pray. Our eternal Father in heaven, we come again at this point, the close of this service, and thank Thee for the Word of God. Oh Lord, we, we cannot fathom such a love that our Savior would bear all the sins of His people in His own body on the tree. But we're thankful, Lord, for those of us here who can say that Jesus died and He died for me. And we pray that You would write this Word upon our hearts, that You would cause it to be that anchor for the soul that we need, Lord. We confess our weakness and our frailty. Lord, we confess there are enemies all around us seeking to destroy us. But Lord, we take refuge in Thy hands today and thank Thee for such truth contained in the Word of God. And we pray for those here or even that will listen one day to this message maybe who are outside of Christ. We pray that You would bring them in, that You would save them today that You would give them ears to hear, eyes to see, that You would open their heart, that they might attend unto the things that have been spoken today like You did for Lydia of old. Oh Lord, we pray, move upon souls in this place. Bless us as we depart. Grant us help to rightly observe the remainder of Thy day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.